Pretty Mental is about accepting our full selves and inspiring others to do the same by being daringly unfiltered. This means completely normalizing all things mental health and the wild journey that has brought us here. We are challenging the stigmatization of normal human suffering, and we are done pretending and subscribing to the notion that it is taboo to have challenging mental health experiences. Welcome to the Pretty Mental Health Club, and enjoy the show. Hey, Valentina. Hey, Paula. And hello, everybody. And welcome to another episode of Pretty Mental. So today we had the amazing opportunity to sit down with Jason Gregory. Jason Gregory. Paula actually introduced his video, which we'll link down in our show notes, The Art of Effortless Living, in the beginning of the pandemic. And it had an incredible influence on us. I started passing it around like popcorn. He basically... Uh, reveals how the philosophy of Taoism can bring so much peace to our modern life, uh, to this very anxious society that we live in. So Valentina and I love this philosophy. We're both self-proclaimed Taoists by nature. It's all about going with the flow and learning to trust our basically our natural essence and our instincts and getting back in touch with our intuition and allowing life to move through us rather than trying to control everything that is in front of us and ahead of us it's an extremely powerful antidote for any of us that are out there struggling with anxiety we are so excited to share this episode with you guys we love jason and everything that he has to teach and with that take in a deep breath with us And tune in, Jason Gregory. <laughs> welcome, to welcome to Pretty Mental. Uh, this is the perfect title for me, I think. Pretty Mental, yeah. So <laughs> I love it. Are you? There? <laughs> You're in the right crew. <laughs> I want to say that I love, I love what you're both doing. Like it's, it's awesome. You know, a lot of people, like, uh, they shy away from mental health, right? Like, even, even still now, like, which is kind of stupid, but. I mean, I like how you guys have leaned into it and are, and are addressing it more. So, I mean, that, that resonates with me. Like that's the crux of a lot of my books is, is, is mental health. Yeah. yeah. Oh, 100%. I remember. So Paula actually found your. So I, I, I came across your video, the art of effortless living yeah. in, um, when quarantine started. Yes. Yes. <laughs> when I discovered it, and I watched it and I started passing that thing around like popcorn. <laughs> And then I started passing that thing around like popcorn when she gave it to me. I remember feeling like it was such a breath of, it was oxygen. Yeah. Uh-huh. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. It was exactly what we needed. Yeah. yeah. So thank no, you. Thank you for watching. Like that, 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 that uh, video has actually done really well. And, and it was, it was ironic because like when people started to go into to lockdown, I saw the views on that go through the roof. And then I saw a lot of the comments, people saying, who's watching this in lockdown in 2020 and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, wow, this is kind of like, you know, it, I think it is a, uh, a good film to watch for people, especially in this year, right? Like with all of the problems we've had and being restricted and we can't move around and, you know, kind of uh, grounds people in what's, in, in, in what's real, you know, as opposed to like we got so accustomed to our ordinary life where we can go and do anything and this and that where we we kind of forget the simplicity of life too you know so because we just go yeah, go-getters so, right so you know yeah and then used to getting our way controlling and all that stuff and it's like this year just really came in with a bang and showed us that actually uncertainty is the name of the game and life is going to do what life does exactly and, and we we control like a such a small bandwidth of our life and i think that that's what a lot of people don't don't understand like because we're taught especially in the west you you guys and, and myself, like both in Western countries, we're taught that you can, can you can just go out and you know create the world for yourself and and control everything that's going to happen to you, and your experience is yours. And then that's kind of like when you take a step back, it's kind of ridiculous to think that way because we depend on other people, we depend on life itself. There's so many things that we have to allow in our life to 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 let our life actually uh, run its course, right? And 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 have like a 
to, to have an optimal life, to be honest, like an optimal life is not in like going head on and chasing goals. And, and, you know, I'm not saying that goals aren't bad, but like we, we were caught in this habit of, you know, just go out and grab life by the balls. And then that's going to give you happiness and success. And we learned this year that that's not actually the case, you know, and, and, and because I've been teaching Eastern philosophy for a long time, obviously I, I knew that too. But it's you still get in your own way, you know what I mean? Like I'm I'm a writer and I create all YouTube videos and stuff like that. But you still find yourself getting in your own way because you might have success in something and then you think, oh, I'm going to push a little bit more or and this and that. But then life goes not not this time and it pushes back, you know. So, so we wanted to actually ask you just to introduce our viewers into Eastern philosophy a little bit more before we get the conversation yep. going. If you can give a background on Taoism, uh, okay, and like, and and why why it was appealing to you, and I mean I don't if you want to include Buddhism too, but Taoism is like what I've what we've heard you talk the most about, yes. and I feel like we're Taoists. Yeah, I betcha. Uh, it feels so right. It feels <laughs> so right. Uh, I, I, yeah, I, I, I'm with you guys. Like the thing is that I've always considered myself a Taoist as well. Like um, even though I've studied uh, Hinduism and Buddhism a lot, uh, but it's interesting because Taoism appeals, especially to Westerners, a lot because there's it's not as monastic. It's not as like you know, like we're all used to like the Catholic Church or you know, or Islam, and, and there's a lot of rules and regulations where Taoism comes along and just goes and just blows all that away and says, you are already naturally good. You didn't need cultivation. You didn't need uh, all of these ideas that, you know, all of this education that essentially warps our nature. Not that saying that education is wrong and, and, and you know, obviously language and this and that is important, but the heightened state of education and the way that we create super intellectual people and disconnects us actually from the the deeper essences of ourselves. So, but to get back to, to what, what you were saying about Taoism, Taoism is essentially, it's, it's, they say the way of nature, right? So, and it comes from a, a great sage, you know, some people doubt whether he was actually real or not, Lao Tzu. And he, he existed about 2,500 years ago. And they lived in like what, what I would say pre-Confucian cultures. So, in pre pre Confucian cultures, there was not an external system that imposed its will on you. Everyone naturally lived just from their own nature, so to speak. Now that doesn't mean that people are out, you know, uh, drinking and womanizing and, and this and that. It was it was it was like a heart based society. Like so, you know, you just had families. You didn't have all of these rules and regulations that kind of encroach on your mind and make you behave. In, in certain ways that probably you, you would never behave in the first place, right? So we've all experienced that. Like the way that Australian culture is has probably made me behave a lot of ways that I probably would have never have behaved. So Taoism essentially is the way of nature. So that means that instead of uh, the starting place of Confucius, which is Confucius believes that we are fundamentally beasts. So And so because we are beasts, like any other animal, we need cultivation. So we need to go through this self this self-cultivation model that he built and you know confucius's model wasn't very uh it didn't favor women a lot too like he didn't have a very high opinion of women women had to bind their feet we all had to uh, sleep a certain way there could only be like there's a chinese word called junza which means gentleman literally gentleman you know what i mean like not gentlewoman so only they could cultivate the virtues and so forth and so on of being this uh, superior man, so to speak, that that Confucius you know, believed, right? So Lao Tzu was completely against this. He, his model is like, essentially, it, you can look at it as like a critique on Confucianism because he was like all of this self-cultivation and, and so forth and so on is nonsense, right? So his, his starting place is that we are fundamentally good and that you, you don't need to, like, uh, you can't induce the Tao into life. The Tao, the way of nature, is naturally there in our own inner structure. So, like Taoism, essentially, is saying that we 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 are like a microcosm of the totality. So, all of the inner forces of the universe move through all of us. But Confucianism and, and even like any external government now reorient their focus and put, you know, the control from outside as opposed to 
being like spontaneous, like a flower from within, right? So, and, and blooming mm-hmm. from in, inside to out. And so Lao Tzu's perspective was that instead of like all of this, there's two like metaphors, right? There's the carving and polishing metaphor, which is uh, Confucius's self-cultivation method. And then there's the uncarved block. So just like the, you know, nature as it is. So Lao Tzu is saying that we need to stick to our raw nature. Like instead of trying to go through all of this cultivation, because what it does is it produces uh, hypocrites, moral hypocrites. And so as we see within our society, right, like our world, like a lot of people who think they're so pious and, and so forth and so on become, essentially they become moral hypocrites, not because they're bad people, but because the whole, from Lao Tzu's perspective, the whole game is upside down. We're sort of playing the game from Confucius's perspective where we need all this cultivation and and so forth and so on. So Lao Tzu is saying that to come into accord with the Tao, instead of cultivating, we need to let go of life, so to speak. So they, they use the, the river as an analogy. So instead of holding onto the banks of the river or, or fighting the current, you let go and, and let the river guide you, so to speak. And, and then the river's power becomes your power. This is what this is what de is in Chinese. It's it's virtue, or you could translate that as sort of like charismatic power. Um, and so its power becomes your power. So then your life is kind of in the flow, right? Like you're living effortlessly. You're not putting boundaries on your life. You're allowing life to, you're allowing space in life to, to guide you maybe in a different direction than probably what you would, you know, normally try to control. So it's definitely a path of non-force, uh, non-control and just uh, just allowing life to, to be as it is. So, and, and I agree with you guys. I, I think that Taoism, especially in the modern world, is very appealing because, like, for example, if you look at Buddhism and if you, if you look at Hinduism, there can be a lot of uh, elements within those paths where there's, there's, there's an element of negation towards life, where Taoism is kind of saying, no, 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 no. Like, you need to also embrace life, enjoy life, like stop fighting your own, you know, psychological faculties, your own inner structure and just be, be one with life, you know, instead of, you know, don't ignore the flower, go and smell the flower, you know, that's, that's their perspective. That's Lao Tzu's perspective. So. And that can be so tricky because like if we th- talk about anxiety, for example, right, that's all, that's entirely based on uncertainty and not being able to tolerate that uncertainty and you're not able to surrender and it's scary. But then when we think about like the Taoist perspective and essentially like anxiety can't exist if you're just trusting whatever is flowing through, whatever is coming through, whatever life is asking of you in that moment. Yes, definitely. Definitely. And, and, and yeah, I look, I, I've, we've all been there, right? The uncertainty can, can kill, can literally, it, it does kill people like, because, life can be uncertain at times but again it comes down to a a sort of a wrong understanding of how the world is too i think that a a lot of our society the the socialization that we've had is a lot to blame because you know we think that uh and, and and it's an innocent thought that you know our life should be a certain way and we should have control but if we were taught in a different manner and we understood that you know life can just be as it is uh without you controlling or, or being anxious about the outcome or if there is uncertainty in your life. And so, you know, their, their medicine for that. And, and actually the Taoist perspective would be that we live like in a, a, a yang dominated world. So we're constantly active. We're constantly out there go getting and, and yang here. Yeah. Like the masculine, yeah, the right? masculine yes. The masculine. So the masculine, and and not and and not to say the masculine as in male, like because we all have masculine and feminine qualities as men and women, but uh, the masculine being the the active and going out there doing things, and and what that does is that produces a lot of heat, um, like even physically produces a lot of heat, like that's why you feel a lot of anxiety and stress in your mind. That's from from the Taoist perspective, that's just heat, that's accumulated heat, and so yin being the feminine, which is the non doing aspect is like coolant. So if you look at yourself like a car, you know what I mean? So you don't want to overheat your engine. So you, you, you need coolant. And so to, to produce yin, you need to be more like peaceful, you know, do act, uh, you can still do activities, but not like in the sense that, you know, you're going to go out there and 
uh, and be super active, you know, like, and not engage your mind in, 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 in a lot of things. Like, even like if you're watching YouTube or something like this, in some sense, you're still ac- accessing the, the yang aspect of your, your being because your mind's still engaged, you're still doing, it's not a passive quality. So like yin is more, is more passive and more allowing and, and non-force. And that's kind of, uh, kind of the crux actually of Taoism is to, to, uh, there is a, there's a chapter in the Tao Te Ching where it says, know the male, but keep to the female. Or we could, you know, they're not saying, you know, know, know a guy and, and keep to the girls. It's, it's saying like, you need to conservatively apply yang, not like over the top. It's, it's that like in martial arts, I don't know if you, if you guys are familiar with martial arts, but part of a lot of the traditional martial arts is you learn how to fall first. So you learn how to take or absorb a blow and move with it. So this is yin, right? Absorbing a blow and moving with it. And then you learn how to react um, spontaneously. This is like, again, this is effortless action, right? It's part of wei, And so you, you learn how to react spontaneously to, to the environment. And so I think if we had a lot of this training that even like, you know, when we talk about uncertainty and, and things like that, especially to do with mental health, if we understood ourselves a little bit more, we would understand then how to react to the environment that we see, like, in, in, a, in an intelligent and spontaneous manner without like overthinking the situation and then, you know, which causes us to imagine outcomes and imagine, usually we imagine negative outcomes, right? And then that allows us to fall down a rabbit hole where sometimes we can't get out. So To get to know ourselves a little bit more in order to, re- to respond effectively, like what, can you speak more to that actually? What that like what that means, how we can get to know ourselves more in in the right way mm-hmm. beyond just I think a lot of people when they hear, you know, get to know myself better, they hear like get to know my personality better. <laughs> you know, like yeah. who are you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, a very confusing question for a lot of people. Yes, yes. It is, it is. Uh, yeah, a lot of, it, exactly. A lot of people do think that they're just you're talking just about the personality. But again, like if we looked at it from a Taoist perspective, the personality in some sense is a is a construct if you look at it from Dao's thought now not saying that your your persona itself is a construct like we all have a a persona but like the personality itself is a construct so meaning you're both from america you have these certain cultural tenants uh you behave this way to an election for example and you know go on down the line right same in australia and, and everywhere else so you have all of these this uh, socialization so the socialization then becomes your personality so to speak so this is part of like what Lao Tzu his argument with Confucius was that Confucius is imposing the cultural tenets the socialization on an individual which is creating the psychology of that person and then that makes it even harder to get in some sense to distance themselves from that if you know what I mean so you know, a lot of the times we react emotionally from that conditioned personality. So we're reacting from that conditioned personality when it, there's a there's a uh, Sanskrit word called vairagya. So vairagya meaning like uh, sort of like non-worldliness, but also non-reactiveness. So having like a, a, a healthy distance from, you know, your emotional triggers, the, the things that activate that that cultural or social personality that we've develop so yeah like like you like you said beautifully uh how to know yourself it's to get in some sense beneath that and that's one of the important elements of you know all of the eastern traditions you know Taoism, hinduism buddhism even jainism is to get to understand what that is now a lot of people think that that's just going to be empty and and void and and nothing there but coming back to uwei that the idea is that when you don't have any of those personal uh, cultural traits or that affecting the way that you behave, then you act spontaneously in that moment in an authentic manner. So like if someone says something to you, if it's say if it piques the interest of your cultural uh, programming, then you you might, you know, trigger and might be re- overreact to someone's whatever they said, but if you were in some sense completely more settled and had a distance from that, then 
you would react in a, in a way that would be beneficial maybe to that situation. So that's what in, in Zen Buddhism, they talk about, they talk about that a lot because Zen, uh, I don't know if you both know, but Zen is kind of an outgrowth of uh, Taoism and Buddhism because it went through China and went through the ringer in China and then went to Japan. So and then that's why in Zen, they have this, this idea that if we get back to our nature, then we will begin to act we, we can then act immediate and also appropriate to each and every situation. Of course, you're going to slip up, right? There's no one's, nothing's perfect. But that, that's the idea that if you're not, if you don't have a lot of this programming, then you can act immediate, immediately and appropriate to each and every situation. And from Taoist thought, like if you look at the other sage, Zhuangzi, Zhuangzi talks about this, this uh, element uh, in Chinese, that it's called Qing. And Qing is a species-specific essence. And so every uh, species has a species-specific essence. And he says that our species-specific essence is the, is the ability to discern between this and that. And But he says that this species-specific essence is, is essentially a flaw. And he says it's a flaw because the problem is, is that when, when we start to discern between this and that, then we start to create good and bad, right and wrong. He, he mm. said, she said so forth and so on down the line. So what is an innocent thing and what separates us also from other animals is this ability in the prefrontal cortex to discern between this and that, but it creates the world that we have because we begin to have a subjective view of the world and then we lose contact with the more holistic cognitive side of ourself, which is what, you know, Zhuangzi didn't have the cognitive science terminology, but that's what it, he, he was alluding to. And so... In saying that, it's the personality, the subjective person who is discerning between this and that and creating all of the, the chaos in the world. So one of my teachers, must have been about 13 years ago, he said the, the doer of actions and the thinker of thoughts is, is the one who's causing all the trouble in the world. So, But again, it's, it's not that you, you won't be a person. I think that a lot of people get, especially in the West, they misinterpret this. They think, oh, I'm just going to be blank slate and nothing's gonna it's like no no you still you still got your groove you know you still got your your life about you you're still a person like it the difference is is that you've understood you're something much greater than that person and in some sense that's where where you live from understanding that that the Tao or call it whatever you will is the real driving force behind your life and your personality is the byproduct of the external world so it's it's about it's getting beyond our cultural conditioning, which requires that we understand yes. what that cultural conditioning even is. Because for a lot of us, it's basically the water that we've been swimming in. Yeah. And and like what you're saying is that a lot of, you know, a lot of our anxiety and a lot of our judgment of good and bad in the world is dependent on this conditioning that we've never even really questioned. It's just what was given to us. And that if we can understand that and we can get beneath it, what's under there is our pure instinct. And that, yeah, and that that pure instinct is going to lead us. It, it's aligned with nature. It could, it's our intuition. Yeah, it's aligned with nature. It, it is like that, that pure intuition is, is, is the, the, that natural quality that we have. Like, and that's the, the hot cognition. I don't know if you guys know much about uh, cognitive science, but hot cognition is the, the, the more of the unconscious regions of the brain. It's what makes you and all us three, can, we can do this without thinking about it. You know, we intuitively react to certain situations um, without thinking. And so this is more of the spontaneous, uh, natural part of our side of our cognition, where we have uh, the other element, which is the prefrontal cortex here, which is cold cognition. And that's where it, it's analytical. And so you can discern between this and that and so forth and so on. And the, especially part of the problem for the last few hundred years since the Enlightenment period in the West, when we've dived head, head on into uh, rationality, is we're focusing only on the prefrontal cortex. So what happens then is we're only educating the analytical aspect of our mind. And so when we talk about mental health, if we look at places like, look at Far Eastern Asia, let's use uh, South Korea as an example, right? So South Korea is one of the most most highly educated places in the world. And it's a real militarized educational system. So you'll go, especially from middle school, you'll go to school from seven in the morning to 11 at night. No joke. 
No joke. Wow. Middle school? Yes. Oh my and that goes through to high school until you go to university. So, Ooh. yeah, it's brutal. I feel like that kills your spirit. I did. Literally did. So, so what happened? So what's the, what's the by, byproduct or what's the result of this? South Korea has, they're usually in the top two of the highest uh, teen suicides in the world. And it's because that you're, you're overloading the cold cognition. You're not allowing for the naturalness that is at the core of our being to, to just be. Like this is why Taoism, they put such an importance on playfulness and humor and stuff like that. Like don't take life so seriously. You know, let life just, you know, roll and you roll with it. But we're creating a world where we're going, no, we should be serious. We have to think about everything. Everything is my problem. And it's like, no, that's a really unique and new situation that you're talking about. Like just a hundred years ago, I would have never been able to know you two living. You're, you're in a, you know what I mean? Like a lot of the things that we have now are so new and we're trying to adapt our mind, which hasn't, hasn't changed for thousands of years to this new phenomenon of rationality of the digital space. And we can't deal with it because we don't know about a, a whole other side of our being. So if you have two functions of the mind, right, if you have the cold cognition, and you have the hot cognition, they both have to operate. If you suppress one, you're going to cause psychological problems in, in an individual. And so I heard a story. This is how bad it gets in Far East Asia. I heard a story, uh, it was two months ago in China where a young girl, she was, I might get this wrong, she was either seven or eight. And and in China, China's gone down the path of Korea, right? China's just went, well, we got to be as educated as them. Let's just, just, just pump them, pump them full of education from like five and six. And then uh, the teacher scolded her for not doing her homework. And, you know, he, I don't know if he went over the top. I don't know enough about the story, but she got up and just walked out and jumped out the window. And that was it. And you, and you think like seven or eight, like, I don't know when, when you two were seven or eight and when I was seven or eight, I never even really knew much about suicide and, I mean, you wouldn't even think about that, right? You wouldn't even think of, you know. You don't think, that, oh, I can end my life. That's not really an option unless you're in, in such a situation where you feel so suffocated that your spirit just wants to tap yeah, out. Yeah, no, it's crazy, huh? And so, like, when I see these parents over there, because I've lived in Korea as well, and, and my wife's actually South Korean, and so mm. she knows the, the rigors of, of that of that educational system. And like, even she's still now she's 35. She's, she feels like she still suffers a bit now, like from hypertension, from anxiety, because she went through that system of seven to 11. And then when you get home, don't think you go on to bed. You got to study till two, you got to study till two. So you go to bed four hours, you wake up at six, then you go back to, and it's like, man, those guys don't know anything about how important sleep is to the health and well being of people. Oh my god. My god, they just made everyone into a robot. <laughs> Essentially. Truly. Yeah. That's why when you go to South Korea, you see people that are just zombified. And like there's a thing in South Korea, like I used to live in Seoul and I would get on the subway. And then people are like, because they just it's a march of the flies, right? And then next minute they just shoulder charge you, like if you're in the way, and you're like, what the hell? And they don't even flinch. Like it's almost like they don't have any feeling in their body. They're, they're that tired. They're that exhausted that you just want to give them a pillow, you know, a pillow and a hug. <laughs> but um, that's also becoming a model. I've, I've heard some people in America talking about the, the South Korean model. I was like, oh, man, they better not go down. I don't, I don't think America would go down that path. But, I mean, they talked about that here too in Australia. And I was like, man, that's going to be problematic because you'll see suicide rates go up. You'll see mental health problems go up. And, you know, getting back to my point, that's you're, you're overemploying the analytical part of the mind. And, and that comes back to Western cognitive evolution as opposed to Eastern cognitive evolution. Like, and it was an environmentally determined thing. It wasn't that it was a wrong thing. Like in the, our, all of our, the three of us, our cognitive evolution is, is individualistic, which is in the analytical part of the mind. And that came about because Greece was primarily, which, which is kind of the birth of a lot of, uh, Western thought back 2000, you know, 3000 years ago was primarily individualistic, like herding, hunting, fishing, these things can be done on, on your own, right? As opposed to China and India, which is kind of the, the birthplace of Eastern cognitive, uh, Eastern cognitive style is holistic, not because they're more pious, but because the main source of food was rice cultivation. So when you have rice cultivation, you have to be in large groups, you have to depend on each other. 
and this becomes their cognition down down the line. And it's no surprise that philosophies like the Tao Te Ching and that holistic philosophies are born from that cognitive style. And you know, in the West, we have individualistic philosophies, and so the, there has to be a balance between both. And so I think that because the West controls the primary thought in the world, that's why we've all fallen, or, or we are, or we are all falling into this analytical perspective or this analytical cognitive style and it's having a real bad effect on places that are holistic as we see with south korea and, and so forth and so on wow because they're taking it to such an extreme yes well they look at places like america right like this uh for example like china japan korea and taiwan they have such a like a, an american fetish like they look at they look at you guys they look at like you know like because america is the focus of the world you know like Hollywood and you know so forth and so on and they look at that and they think that that's the pinnacle and they think that well if they're gonna like you know be who they are we're just gonna try and trump them by just forcing all this education down their throat and we're gonna try and produce this society that that rivals America and it's like yeah but not not to say like and you you both know not to say that anyone should look at America and think that that's a, a good template for any other nation <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what i'm saying <laughs> you know like from where i sit i'm like you guys are you twisted you know you shouldn't be looking at america but um but that's the way they see it because i see uh, america generally is people are economically prosperous you know like uh people have there's there's a sense of freedom for some people obviously not all people in america and so that's what like places like korea and that see and they go man we want to do that too and it's like first of all it's not a natural state of mind for you to be in so that should be questioned first and then or make an educational system that you know is korean like or 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 adapts to the korean mentality but yeah like you said when you go there now you just see zombies and you see you know even in families like my, my wife's family she won't mind me saying this like they're pretty disjointed because she's into what we're all into you know what i mean and so she's divorced herself she left university which is like sacrilege in in korea like and her and her parents are like there's like a bit of a schism there not from her perspective but because the cultural template in korea is that you ought to get you ought to go to university you ought to get the best job you ought to make your family proud it doesn't matter what you think so it's uh and and that's i was just going to say and that's what they that's the what they're doing there you know that's the people they're producing so so focused on the external and achieving and getting and the next step it's so imprisoning Mm. because the cultural template here in america is that it's it's achieving it's you can create your own world it's you know the whole conversation on manifestation and you can make the world what which i I wouldn't mind getting your thoughts on that one too um but it's not working something about it is not working because thinking that we are so much in charge of, of the world and of the way that things happen, it does make the cognitive thinking part of our brain overactive. Because now, since I can make my own world, suddenly I become responsible for everything that happens in the world. And, and we get into, you know, human. the human mind just has this tendency for black and white thinking that gets us in trouble. And that's what I, because I work with anxiety primarily uh, with my clients as a therapist. I primarily work with anxiety. Um, and that's really what it is. It's all about control, low tolerance for uncertainty. Um, you know, I didn't do things right. Mm. I have to do everything right. So life turns out the way that I wanted to turn out. And it's hard for me to let go of the outcomes because if I let go of the outcomes then the worst case scenario is probably what's going to happen, but now I'm just worried all day long and now I'm not sleeping. And mm. yeah. And, I, yeah. and also that I'm going to freedom is through controlling everything yeah yeah, exactly i've heard that a lot in america freedom through discipline freedom through control freedom through force and it's like you know if we look at america you know specifically is that the, the whole american mentality is that you're not good enough right so you're not good enough so you ought to be extraordinary and so from the eastern perspective and actually from the older perspective even in america like if we go a few hundred years back or, you know, in the West in general, it was okay to be ordinary. You know what I mean? It was completely fine to be ordinary. And it's kind of interesting now because in this day and age, we a lot of the world's taking on America's mentality where we ought to be extraordinary. You know, we ought to go out there and, and prove ourselves, you know, show that we have value to the world. 
as if you didn't have value already. So we have this world, right? So we have a fridge. Just 100 years ago, we couldn't get a fridge. We have all the food we want. The three of us can communicate like this and have a good time. And, you know, you can go outside, go for a walk around. I mean, life's pretty good when you look at it. Like the way that the average person now is living is like a millionaire would have lived in the 1910s, you know. So, and that's the average person. But what we've done is we've thrown a snake in the grass and we've said, no, 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 this life is not good enough. You need to get something better. And you ought to be uh, Scarlett Johansson. You need to be Dwayne The Rock Johnson. You need to be these people who are successful in air quotes as if that's going to give your life value and meaning. So we should have never thrown the snake in the grass. We need to realize that being ordinary is extraordinary, not the other way around. And so, but again, that, that comes down to, as we talked about, like the cultural mentality, say, of America, which is becoming, let's, let's be honest, it's becoming the mentality of the whole world. And so just our ordinary life isn't good enough. And so where are we going to, when is this game going to end? Because if we look at that trend of uh, that we're not good enough and we look at the rates of suicide, depression, uh, non-fatal uh, self-harm and all of these things, there's no surprise that there's there's a you know an exponential growth in all of those since that we thought that this life is not good enough for us and we and we ought to be someone you know and 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 I don't want to tell everyone that's listening you are good enough you you don't need to listen to you know the parrots in in the in the culture who are who are you know promoting that you aren't good enough and that you ought to go out and be you know the president or you ought to go out and be a ceo or you can you can just be fine with who you are like even whatever job you have whatever you can define meaning from anything you know you don't need to uh, equate to all of these uh, cultural tenets and, and you know templates that we have so how hard is that with the society we live in right. social media yeah. i mean <laughs> everywhere you look it's like who how can i be even cooler than this the next yes. dude how can I do put all my efforts into creating this persona that is so detached from our internal world? Yeah. Yeah. Because on the one hand, I think a lot of us hear that statement and it's something we talk about here too, you know, like normalize being human. Your value is inherent mm. because of your existence, right? But then we're standing up against this cultural template, as you put it which says, no, like you're not good enough. And then everybody has picked it up mm. and everybody's echoing it. So it's everywhere you go, you hear that. And because we're social beings, we want to be accepted. We want to belong to the tribe. Mm. And the tribe responds very favorably to us <laughs> when we show up in that way that is quote unquote cool or extraordinary. Mm. And I don't know what, I mean, what would you say could be like the medicine for that? Like, how do we keep that from gripping us? Because yeah, like it's either going to take us either find a way to become extraordinary, which does that ever even happen? Yeah, exactly. You know, like never we get addicted. Yeah, exactly. We get addicted to achieving more and more and more. And like, if you get there through that mentality, it's never going to be enough. Mm. Or we get into a state of anxiety where I'm just going to control my whole schedule and my routine and every little thing until I like master control, which isn't possible either. Mm. Or I'm just going to get depressed because I look at my life and it's very ordinary. And I've been told that I can't be ordinary. Mm. I have to be extraordinary. And so not knowing how to achieve that, I'm just going to lay down in my bed and hate my life and take it as that's a sign of me not being good enough. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I hear. I hear. It's, it's difficult because it's uh, the the evolutionary habits of uh, intermittent positive reinforcement and uh, social approval. We we all we still suffer. I I, sh I shouldn't say it's a suffer, right? But we we are suffering from both of those evolutionary traits because because of social media, and so social media itself being such a, a new phenomenon is like, you know, well well you know, we can communicate, right? So there's good things about social media, but there's also bad things. So you guys probably know that, you know, social media companies lean into those sort of evolutionary behaviors to manipulate people and so forth and so on. So you throw that in the mix of feeling needed, of getting social approval. We are social animals, like there's, you know, human beings are social, that's how we evolved. And so 
I mean, there are, I mean, there are people who go, who, who do leave society. I mean, but I don't, I don't recommend that for anyone, but there are like sadhus and monks and stuff like that, that, that leave to try and cure themselves of that. But that's not really a, a realistic option for us. So I know it sounds simplistic, but like, if you have more of a, a sort of a, a, a natural lifestyle about your life, just your lifestyle in general, like, you know, you're taking care of yourself. Like you're, you are, you are trying to, to nurture your own being and you are mindful of stress and anxiety and you are say if you do have a, a daily meditation practice which would be important you do have a good diet you do try to be active as much as possible i mean uh, exercise wise and and get a good night's sleep it's interesting that when you have your lifestyle in check a lot of those uh, tendencies uh, don't tend to happen right like you know, in yoga, in, in, in yoga, they talk about like you, you sort of fine tuning yourself, right, to the to the cosmos. You're tuning your instrument to the cosmos. Now, like now, a lot of people don't think about lifestyle in general because they're so caught up in like what we've been talking about, right? Like you know, the culture says I'm not good enough, so I'm going to go out and try and be good enough. But maybe if you have your lifestyle in check first, you may do things that maybe will nourish your uh, your creative impulses that may you know in air quotes give you value to the world but you need to remember that that's not going to define yourself or give you ultimate happiness right like because your creativity in itself is a constant process like if you're a creative person the creative intellect is constantly moving forward um, it's not going to give you kind of that uh, the, what Lao Tzu would say is the contentment of contentment which is what a lot of us have never experienced because we all do fall prey to our culture and our society. So I, I, I hear what you're both saying. It's, it's difficult to, uh, to get people out of that fixation of that they need to be uh, loved and they need to, to have a value to a society because it's an evolutionary trait. So the only way that I would say to try and curb that is to have a more of a holistic lifestyle in some sense concentrate on yourself lean into the things that actually you're you're interested in right like i don't think anyone's really interested in tweeting right tweeting is just a vibe yeah you can go rogue and you can you know you know say so, but in, in general like create creatively no one would is like going to become a professional tweeter. I mean, there's no such thing, right? I mean, there probably is. <laughs> so like lean in more to your creativity and you both know this from doing the podcast probably, right? Like you're, you're, you're providing something that you both did. It's a passion that you, that you, that you've done. It gives you a sense of uh, meaning and, and it helps other people. Not that there's, you know, millions of dollars in it and so forth and so on, but it, it's something that makes you feel as if you're part of something uh, greater than yourself. But there's a thing in, um, in Taoist psychology, there's a, a, I'll just quickly go over it. It's, there's, there's a few things. There's, when, you, when you let go, right, when you let go, it doesn't mean that you, your life is just over. Like you're just, you know, all right, I've let go. That's it. I'm not doing nothing. You know, the missus can do the dishes and I'm just, you know, that's just over. <laughs> <laughs> There's another element of that. It comes, it's called Li in Chinese. Now, Li is this understanding that like a flower has a particular pattern, each individual has a particular pattern psychologically. And so when you let go, that pattern for you two, maybe podcasting and the interest in mental health and helping people, this is your organic pattern. Now, it's a, it's a psychological thing, right? And so for myself, it might be writing books and, 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 and talking about this stuff. And what happens then is, so when you let go and, and you allow the, the, the river's power to become your power, you realize you come closer into contact with your li. So whatever it is that your deep longing or interest it actually has. And, and so what happens after that is another element of Taoism, which is called ying, which is uh, mutual resonance or interdependence. What that really means is that when you've discovered your Li, you begin to harmonize with the world and your work in a sense helps the world along. Like so for you two, for example, you've harmonized with your Li and in doing so, the ying, the, the mutual resonance and interdependence begins to positively influence the environment, you know, without overthinking about it, without you know, so forth and so on, you know, without not being having agendas and beliefs and, and this and that, it just comes naturally from you as the fragrance of different flowers smell differently. And so the fragrance of a human being 
individually, they all smell, they all have their own aroma, right? Uh, not, not, you know, not physical aroma, but the, the psychological aroma, the, the aroma um, that comes from them. And this, you know, you could best describe through like musicians, right? Like a musician has that ability to positively influence large uh, portions of people. Um, that's because that's that ying, that's that they've merged with the environment and they've become useful, so to speak, f- for the world. And that's why they say in Taoism, you, you make sure you let go so the Tao can make use of you. You know, you can't make use of yourself because you're going to be caught up in your head and you're trying to do this and that. If you let go, then you can allow it to, to make use of you. It's like, it's like what Alan Watts said. Alan Watts said, do you do it or does it do you? Talking about life. Talking about life, yeah. And talking about that energy, you would say, what, what we would call the Tao, like the, 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 the source of our life, like to, that, move, that moves, through, moves through us. So. Yeah, so it's it's about from Taoist perspective, achieving higher states of um, or more ideal states of mental health requires releasing and unpacking a lot of the conditioning, the cultural conditioning, so that we can get at what our natural instinct is. Yes. Once we can get at what our natural instinct is and allow it, it's going to take us in the outward expression of the highest version of ourselves. Yes, definitely. That life for us. definitely. They, there's uh, one scholar, Hans Georg Moella, he's, he, he's a Taoist scholar, and he, he said, and actually it, it's kind of a general knowledge in Taoism, that Taoism essentially is a, a system for, uh, to make people sane and healthy. So it's, it's not uh, anything else but a system to make someone sane and healthy. So when you look at it at its, at its purest form, you know, I, you know, I can wax lyrical talking about all the stuff I talked about today, but essentially it's about making people sane and healthy you know it's ironic right china have turned away from Taoism and they went head on into capitalism and and marxism and communism and you've seen rates of you know mental health problems suicide and so forth and so on um so that because they turned away from that they turned into a system that they thought was going to be economically prosperous and and have influence on the world so but yeah like like what you said like in letting go then you are essentially useful but and that's in some sense the only way that you can find what really makes you tick too right like if you have a lot of things in your mind that are disturbing what makes you tick i remember when i was living in australia way way back but before i left first time to asia you know i, I had studied eastern philosophy but you know just like push it aside whatever you know what i mean and then and then it wasn't like i was working at a, a just at an ordinary job and then when I when I just went, no, I'm sick of this crap. And I left and I went to Thailand for the first time and I was living in Thailand. It was the first time in my life ever that I just had space. You know, I didn't have to do anything. And then that's when really the, you know, the fire got ignited in me for this stuff. And, and then, it, you know, it was nurtured more as I traveled more and so forth and so on. So, but I couldn't have got there if I was still at the job and, and on the nine to five grinding away and not really with the ability to to discern with what makes me tick. Now, I'm not saying that everyone should quit their job. You know, I put myself in a position to do that, not that I had a lot of money, but but it was just something I had to do at the time. And I think that if we allow our life to have space, then you will find – see, a lot of people, they look at someone, right? They look at someone like they might look at a YouTuber and they go, oh, I want the fame of Casey Neistat or someone like that, and they start vlogging. And it's like, but do you really, is it something that makes you tick or are you doing it? Is your motivation money or, or what's what's the drive there, you know? And I'm not saying that money's not important, but if your motivation is money, the likelihood that you're still going to be doing that when you're 60 is pretty small, right? So it, it's minimal. But if it's something that makes you tick, like for you guys with the podcast, if that's your lee, you'll still be doing it in 50, you know? hopefully 80 years time from now, you know, say, so, you know, and, and it's, and it would have helped millions of people. So getting back to our natural essence, essentially. Yeah. What would you say, you know, has changed in your life since you've been really embodying this Taoist way of life? Just not, not worrying about much stuff, to be honest with you. Like, um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, you're a really chill guy. <laughs> <laughs> thanks. Sometimes I can, you know, I guess I can be a pain sometimes, but, um, yeah, I don't know, like, because, like, in, in the Zhuangzi text, one of the great Taoist texts, he, Zhuangzi talks about, like, this this thing that happens when you follow this path of, like, free and easy wandering. 
Now, not just in the sense of like wandering the world, but like your mind is free from a lot of like association, free from a lot of like emotional uh, things that we should be emotion should be emotional about. And so, just you know, allowing life to be and, and being happy. Actually, you know, we're often told how bad life is, right? I, I always say life's great. Like, because, you know, the version of life we get on the news is such a small version of life. I mean, you look out the window and the birds are chirping and, and you're like, I don't know where all this crap is happening, but <laughs> I know it's happening. But like we're focusing because of negativity bias, we're focusing just on the negative aspects where they're not putting on the news that uh, Paula and Valentina helped a, were at an animal rescue or something, you know, something positive that would uplift people because that's not the focus of the media. So, and I haven't had a TV since 2008, so that's kind of helped me. So I don't watch a lot of the news. If I do hear about the news, I hear about it through friends or, or I see it like something pop up on the internet or something like that. So yeah, I, I, I just like, I think that one of the important things that a lot of people don't talk about with mental health is that if you have a distance from the noise of life, it's, it's very beneficial. Like if you're constantly engaged in the noise, if you're on your phone 24 hours a day looking at, you know, the New York Post put something up or, you know, whatever, like the latest article or the next tweet, your mind is too engaged in in life and it's not actually not natural. And our, like I said, our mind is still the same as it was thousands of years ago. You know, it's not, hasn't changed to adapt to digital technology and this uh, always on mentality. You know, we, we live in this always on mentality where, that's depleting your energy systems. You know, that's just not natural. So I, I always tell people to have a healthy distance. That's actually one of the the most important spiritual practices I've, I've applied to my own life is, is just keeping a distance from life, even though you hear about certain things. And of course, that's not to uh, disregard that injustice and all of these things don't exist. Of course they do. But in you knowing about it, what's it going to do? You know, like it's not that's still a new phenomenon. Like we never used to know what was happening two streets away a hundred years ago. Now we know what's happening. I know what's happening in Atlanta. You know, um, it's not, it's not normal. It's not how the brain has developed to, to operate that the brain is analog, not digital. And I think that we keep thinking the brain is digital when it's analog. It's one task after the other, even though we can multitask, but it's a, it, it processes things in a very uh, simplistic manner. It doesn't process things like reading thousands of tweets and, and you know, being engaged in the news all the time. It's hard to process all that because that's informational overload. So, And because we focus just on the analytical mind, we're constantly like, yeah, we should know this, we should know that. And so we're always looking at things and we, we feel guilty if we don't know, right? We feel guilty if we don't know. Like one of my friends said the other day, why don't you know anything about the election? And I'm just like, man, I'm just indifferent to it. Like, first of all, it's, it's not in my immediate environment. Like it's not something I can see with my own two eyes. And, you know, so why should I go out of my way and also bother myself to look at two guys chirping at each other that I, I, I don't have any interest in, you know, like politics is a bore for me. It's very important to have that healthy distance. And I think that a lot of people need to really lean into that and not feel guilty that they don't know a lot of things. You know, that's a new thing that we know a lot of things. And what we don't speak about is the things that people think we should know about, right? So a lot of the things people think we should know about have to do with usually America or, or you know, the UK or places like this. But then if you say, uh, what, what about uh, what happened in Bhutan? Most people are like, what are you talking about? Like, you know, there's no interest in that. So some things are acceptable and, and knowledge and information is acceptable and other things aren't. So it's important to keep that distance. That's so real. And to keep that in mind, right? That, yeah, that's a, it's such a good point that a lot of the things that we kind of shame each other for, for staying on top of, it's like, well, somebody told you that that's what you're supposed to care about, but there's a, an infinite number of other things you could be caring about. Why is it this one thing? An infinite number of concentration camps where you don't even know they're happening. I mean, all the, when yeah. I started actually looking up exactly what was happening in the news, I, I, I was like, this world, if, they, if everyone's giving attention to like, yeah. all the causes going on, we would explode. We would, we would explode. explode. But And then there's that people here shaming other people for not paying attention to what they're paying attention to. So it. Hmm. I wouldn't even listen to them. Yeah. 
because like and again like what is uh what should we be focusing on like should we be focused on everything like it's overwhelming right like you said but like you said with concentration camps if you look at xinjiang and in the western state of china with the uyghur people like what should we focus on that mm-hmm. or should we focus on the protests in america uh, you know like the political situation in india like tell me like what what is acceptable and what should i focus on because focusing on all of them uh, there's a guy in india like he's he, uh, he, a political hindu and he said like the problem with external people coming in and having a, a word about hinduism in india is they don't really have any skin in the game and i think that's the problem with a lot of us right we, we, we our attention is scattered everywhere but we have no skin in the game of, of each of the of all of these situations right so for you for us three our skin in the game is mental health and spirituality and, and health and well-being that's where our skin is like but if you talk to me about a, a political situation in uganda I've, i'm indifferent to it because i don't know anything about it you know i don't know anything about it and and i can't occupy my mind with that because it's something that me knowing about it, what's it going to do the people there it's their immediate environment let them sort it out and that's one of the big problems with the world and that's what Dallas always tells you you've got to try and cleanse out these agendas and these beliefs you have about yourself because if you have an agenda you're essentially still imposing your own version of reality on someone else and so you need to get beyond that you can't impose your own version of reality on someone else because for example things in australia can be different to in america in in america right so who's right or wrong no one's right or wrong it's just the way things are done here as opposed to the way things are done over there and that's it that's the bottom line that may trigger a lot of people because a lot of people are very uh, moralistic these days and very you know are trying to be very politically correct but uh in 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 some sense like you said like what's wrong is actually the shaming there shouldn't be the shaming of going on that's actually an act of violence shaming someone like for something that you know how can everyone know everything right like or even yeah shaming each other for having different beliefs like you know because especially in america and obviously you've seen it here like the republicans and the democrats just how aggressive that conversation is right now but I was talking oh, yeah, to Valentina no. about this, and I'm like, the the issue is that they think that you know, obviously, Valentina and I are on the side of Biden, I'll openly so, right? So it's like, hell yeah, is, very openly. So. <laughs> issue is that um, they the the Republicans or people that are going for Trump are they feel that they are as right as we feel that we are right. And then you got to ask, and who's right, right? So then it's like, say so again, like, well, you can't have left without right, right? So like, there has to be an understanding that it all goes together that one of the problems in the west is this exclusive mentality right like in the east there's always been a, a, a mentality of inclusiveness you know india is a good example right they like when the muslims invaded india they ended up in they ended up the hindus ended up absorbing islam so islam became part of the fabric you know uh, when the when the jews were going through a lot of trouble in the middle east india took in you know thousands of them and now there's a big jewish community there it's because of, of this inclusive mentality of you know it all goes together but i think that especially politically in america there's not this understanding that it all goes together it's like you know they, they stand beyond that line and that's it and it's like yeah but we all live together like we have to live together yeah. like so first and foremost we need to be friends first and foremost we may have different beliefs but if we start from a place where we're not friends, then this is a problem. And it starts from the top down, right? Like if you look at Trump and Biden, they don't appear to be friends, right? So, and they're not friendly. And obviously they can't be, well, they can be, but you know, according to the political mentality, they're not friends. So this is part of the, part of the problem. And this, is, this was a problem when the West started doing business with the East, because there was at times, you see the way that they do business in the, in the East, especially in China and, and Far East Asia, is you have to establish a friendship first, regardless of beliefs, so forth and so on. Specifically in China. So if you go and do business in China, you better get your liver ready because they want to go out and a drink with you to see that they can trust you. You know what I mean? So and then if and if they go out and a drink with you and they see that you're not another and, and stuff stuff like this, then they'll do business with you. And so I've heard of that. I think that's awesome. I love that. Yeah, it's awesome. I, I have a friend who literally says she doesn't trust people that don't drink. It just made me think of that, like, <laughs> that, that cultural norm. She's yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a wild Columbus. Ex- yeah, exactly. Well, that's that's in talking about that, there was a problem between uh, Australia and Japan when, when you know, when countries started first doing uh, when. East and West started first started doing business together when the, there was the Australia were were providing Japan with a lot of sugarcane and so what happened was that 
uh, something happened in the economy in Japan, but they had a contract with Australia. And so something had happened with the economy in Japan. And they said, oh, yeah, we, we just don't need it for a while because we don't have the money. Because, you know, it's friendship first. And Australia's like, no, bro, that's that's not how it works. Like, you you got to – we're giving you the sugar regardless and you're going to pay. Then the, there was this big friction because they were saying, but that's not how business is done in Japan. Because, like, even, like, th- there's an example of the, the film industry in Japan when there'll be all of these distribution uh, contracts and so forth and so on with uh, film companies over there. But if it's snowing, like, because it generally does, it does it can snow a lot in Japan, obviously people don't go to the, the theaters, right, um, to the movies. And so that then there's a lot of money lost, but there's an understanding between both theater owner, the, the distributor, and this and that. That's all good. We'll, we'll get on top of it later. That's how they operate. Like, it's not, it's not that the contract is sort of set in stone. It's set in stone, but it's like, we'll yeah. get there eventually. There's more trust. You know. Why can't we just all be friends? <laughs> it's that easy it's that easy right it's that easy we just met today and we're friends so yeah. it's, it's, not, it's not very hard yeah <laughs> just we have to be able to identify what that cultural conditioning that's holding us back is so that we can have that healthy distance from it and get closer and closer to making our own decisions based on on our instinct right and and that life force exactly 100 percent and then you'll be happy and then you won't be too concerned about a lot of things, you know. And you may actually want to actually disengage from a lot of the noise. You don't need to know everything, right? Like it's not. So, for example, it might be important for you guys to know a lot about the election, but I'm an Australian. What does it What does it matter? Well, it's like, you know, not to shame America, but it's, it's like just to make an example. But I had an American friend and I said, you want me to know about the election? Who's the president of Australia? And he said, I don't know the president. It's like, there's no president, idiot. It's a prime minister here. So, <laughs> so like, you know, what should we know, right? But like, again, disengage, you know, come back into harmony with, with your own life, you know. And I know that sounds too simplistic, but if you, you know, if you, disengage and you're not and you are working on being not reactive to the world then you'll start to come into harmony with a greater power and that's what they say in Taoism. i mean even a lot of the traditions right they say that you come into contact with a greater power when you're not so in like reactive and emotional about a lot of things because that's that's just your your own agenda and your own beliefs superimposed on life and so like like you guys said before whose version of life should we follow should we follow the Republicans version, the Democrats, should we follow Islam? Should we follow Christianity? What's the version of life that we should follow? And it's like, you don't have to follow any version of life. You have to understand that we are all in this together and also just reach out and be friends. You know, understand. See, one of the things that is interesting is that a lot of people focus on the differences amongst the humanity, but there are far more similarities between all of us than differences. And we focus just on the differences because of maybe because of negativity bias, you know, because of the way that we see the world, according to the way we see the world, we don't like that the way they see the world. So our worldview can be very pure. It doesn't have to be shaped all the time by the external world, you know. I love that. 100%. We agree. Amen. We're- so, yeah, as we get ready to close up, um, yeah. we're going to ask you what we ask everybody, <laughs> which is what does mental health mean to you? And that could be like right now, just what, you know, what does it mean to you right now? What does it mean to me? Mental health, stability, stability and and not being overreactive. And we didn't discuss much, but you know, I've had my own challenges with mental health too a long time ago. So, And that may have been a catalyst for me to get involved in this. Not that I suffered as bad as a lot of other people, but you know, I went through my own experiences because family situations, so forth and so on, certain friends, you know, like it's a long drawn out story. But for me, it, it just means being stable and, and being someone that you can depend on. Having mental clarity and being healthy mentally is someone that you can depend on you know we just got to find our feet we need to find our feet again like we're we're being we're in the washing machine we're going here and there so we really need to find our feet because the noise and the chaos out there is it'll consume your life man it, it really will it's and we've all experienced it yeah i guess three of us have experienced that before in, in different degrees and so to be really mentally healthy means to be stable to be grounded and to be someone that you can rely on and someone that from that place, it's easier to love life. It really is. It's not something where you're disconnected from life. It's easy to say, like, I can say I love you too. And there's no boundary. You know, there's no boundary. And if we realize there's no boundary between any of us, then, and we focus on our similarities, then everyone will be sane, right? So it, it won't be a problem. I love so that. much wisdom. And now I'm like, we have to have a part two because I want to know. know your story. There's I more. cannot believe we did not. I know. I'm so I curious. mean, but there's just, there's so many layers to this conversation. 
uh we would love to have you back on again at yeah. some point this i'd love to do it i like yeah this is awesome i love you guys it's uh it's a great podcast Oh, we love oh, you. Yeah, From we love you. The second we discovered your video, we're like, "This is—he's in our tribe." Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I've got a place to—I've got a place to crash in Atlanta. Oh, oh. one thousand million, million percent. percent. Yeah, for sure. I've never been—I've never been there. I've been funny enough. I've been on both of the coasts, but I've never been actually. Or well, actually, I lie. I went to Vegas. I did an interview in Vegas, <laughs> but it was a stopover. I didn't do much there. So yeah. okay, come through uh, Atlanta. Yeah, come through. But yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Can't wait. I feel like can't wait. this conversation is going to have to have a follow-up at some point. We can do it in person, hopefully. Oh, yeah, that'd be amazing. I'll- that'd be wild, I'll wouldn't it? COVID Australia. willing, we'll follow you to Australia. <laughs> yeah. Or come to Thailand. Come to Thailand, we can do it oh, there. Oh, Thailand, yeah, that'd be amazing. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, we, that might have to happen, actually. Put it on your list, I'm telling you. Okay. Oh, okay. No, we've, we've, the seeds are planted. The seeds are planted. The seeds are planted, yeah. Best country actually in that area, I, I reckon, like actually for, to live and yeah, just, just the lifestyle is so good there. So. Thank you so much for speaking with us today. It was so good to connect face to face. Yeah. Thank you yeah. for making time for this. I know yeah. that this conversation is going to ripple out and land on the ears that need to hear it. So thank you. Yeah. I want to say I really appreciate what you're both doing with this podcast too. It's really, really great helping a lot of people and, you know, what can I say? Like it's, 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 uh, something that's full of love for other people, you know? So we need more of that in the world, right? Thank yeah. you. Thank Absolutely. you. Jason. Yeah. yeah. Thank, Thank you. you. Yeah. Thank you. All righty. Well, we are ending this conversation. Sadly. Thank you so much again. And everyone <laughs> make sure to tune in every Monday at 6am Eastern time and be kind to yourselves. Bye. Bye.